this is not a documentary about how amazing we are. Because, you know, that's basically what we've been doing for the past 10 years. We're talking circle about how much pressure we can handle and how many amazing moments we create for our client, uh, for our boss, uh, for our employee. This is not about us. This is about the moment we created for the people. Welcome to Upon Arrival, a show that uncovers stories and strategies that make up all the moving parts of business events tourism with me, Adelaine Ng. The events industry has seen many little films that tell stories, mainly to serve a corporate purpose. But there's never been a film quite like this one. It's not actually been made yet, but the stories its ideators want to tell isn't from the usual sources. It's also not about the usual things event planners highlight, nor is it aimed at the usual audience. But it will need your help to make it happen. Stay tuned to learn more. So I am talking to two rock stars in the events tourism industry for this week's episode, and it's the first time this podcast has had two guests on at the same time. So this will be interesting. We're happy to be the first dual guest for your podcast. <laughs> it's an honor. We're to be here. Sean Cheng is a client solutions manager with MCI Group, the co-founder of Hashtag Event Profs Break Shit. I hope Apple Podcasts and Spotify allow me to say that. A versatile event professional, and he was named among the Planners of the Year by Smart Meetings magazine in 2019. And I also have Anne Nguyen, who is Head of Community Engagement at Twine. I believe that's a virtual assistant matching service. Would that be accurate way to describe it? <laughs> Close. It's sort of a video conferencing networking tool that you can plug into your virtual or hybrid event. So, wow. Um, Might yeah. ask you a little bit more about that afterwards. But Anne, before working at Twine, founded the award winning company Spark Event Management. And she was also recently named a Meetings Today 2020 trendsetter. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thanks for having us. Thank you both for joining me all the way from Canada. You've both combined forces with a number of other industry colleagues because you guys are on a mission to produce a documentary to tell the story of events. And you need a little help from anyone who is part of the events industry to make this documentary happen. So there's a bit of a backstory to this. And let's start with you and dial this back a bit. Tell us about the documentary. What inspired the idea? I mean, I haven't been associated with the industry for as long as you guys have, but I have never heard of such a project. Well, that's exciting. That's the first of its kind. Yeah. So we are a group of volunteers, all event professionals from around the world, no staff, no major budgets, a group of grassroots volunteers that got together that stemmed from last year when the pandemic hit, we organized an event called GMID Goes Virtual, which was a Guinness World Record-breaking attempt of having the most event professionals online at the same time, just shortly after the pandemic hit, because the industry sort of needed a rallying point. After that event, there was just so much momentum and excitement and interest in keeping the movement going that we formed the Global Events Collective. Um, and the Global Events Collective is who is powering and pu pushing to get this documentary made. So the Global Events Collective is, again, a group of about 20 volunteers from all around the world who just work on different projects that with the aim of 
elevating and bringing awareness to the event industry, our profession, and the work that we do. And our first project is Moments That Matter. So the documentary that you're referencing is a documentary we want to put together that would tell the story of the industry through the eyes of the lives that are affected by it. So there's lots of things in the industry that in terms of advocacy and awareness that we find operate in a bit of an echo chamber. So we end up as an industry talking to each other a lot about our role and our significance and, and our impact, but it's really kind of within it, um, our industry rather than... Yeah, nobody else knows about it. Yeah, to this day, my mom still doesn't know what I do. But so <laughs> the idea is to create a more consumer-facing documentary that tells the stories of attendees and their lives and how their lives are impacted when they go to events and following those stories along to sort of pinpoint the moments at events that make uh, a difference. So very public facing project trying to raise awareness and advocate for the industry, but to the public rather than kind of within our own echo chamber. I think that is so much needed because one of the key conversations that the industry has been having during the pandemic is trying to, I guess, get the message heard to government about the need for this industry to not just survive, but to thrive and the contribution that it makes to the local economy and how it impacts so many different lives. It's a huge industry and, you know, its economic impact is so valuable and yet not a lot of people know about it. I usually spend like at least 10 minutes just explaining what this industry is to people who like have no clue. So I love what you guys are doing, but I'm also very curious. You brought up the Guinness World Record. I have to know how many people were involved. Yeah, we have to say Guinness World Record attempt because legally we didn't break the record. So uh, we the record was 15,000 attendees online for 30 minutes and we got to 12,500. So we were pretty close, but didn't quite make it. And we're all still a little bit in PTSD from that event that we haven't attempted it again. But I think down the road, we might attempt it again. But we'll see. (laughs) That's amazing. But the second part of this project has a name and that is 1001 Event Profs Campaign. Sean, can you tell us a little bit more about why 1001 event profs and what is the campaign about? Of course. So kind of piggyback on what Anne just said. So the Moment That Matter documentary is kind of our North Star, to be say. You know, that is kind of our end goal is to have this documentary produced and air to the world. But how to get there is what, the, you know, the reality hit us. Because I think uh, for, you, for all the listeners out there, if you are as naive like I was before I started working on this project, that I was a documentary, is it should be cheaper than making a film, right? <laughs> and then once we start digging and if we want to do a high quality documentary, you know, like what you saw on Netflix, that actually do require a bit of investment, you know, in terms for the production quality, in terms for a better storyline. And there's a lot of things involved. And, you know, long story short, making a documentary is not cheap. And as an event professional, you know, we don't really talk about this. But I think one thing we do really well is to figure things out. Because I think like that's basically what our life is, no matter which part of the events industry you are, is to figure things out. No matter what your budget is, you will figure out a way to make it happen. And I think we just kind of apply that mentality into this. So first thinking about maybe we should start it slow, regroup and, and starting something a bit more smaller. So we decide to launch a podcast. 
So the podcast right now is in progress, and we are thinking about having the podcast probably as a way to continue nourish the story that we collect and continue using that to excite and engage the audience in the industry. But again, making a podcast also requires some sort of funding to make it happen. Right. And that's kind of what the campaign come into place. So we decided to do a crowdfunding campaign that uh, we're asking for 1,001 event professional around the world each to donate $10 to help us raise about $10,000 that we can using that to kickstart this project. The amount that we raise will be used to the podcast, will be used to as a seed fund for this documentary. We're hoping maybe using this to starting a proper storyline, having a better engagement with the director and the producer in the filming industry, hopefully to get there, right? But we want to starting with this, like a little C fund to start it. Why is 1001? I think it's just um, because as an event professional, we all give our thousands and one percents of effort into everything we do, right? So we feel this is a fun and is appropriate kind of a number we're aiming for. That is absolutely brilliant. And of course, you know, being a podcaster myself, I love the idea of you guys um, starting your own podcast to sort of nourish this story. I think that's excellent. What is, do you have a name of the podcast yet? Uh, no. And we are open for <laughs> discussion and open for suggestion for everyone who listens to it. That'll be another 1001 event props <laughs> campaign of suggestions, maybe. Actually, <laughs> we are not choosing from 1001 title. That would be a headache. I thought it was going to be called Moments That Matter. But it's not, right, no, right. It's not the same name. I think that's probably the good one. <laughs> Well, there you go. Problem solved already. But there must be event stories that you might have been ruminating um, about for this documentary. What are some that stuck in your mind? What made them so different? And you think are worth highlighting in this documentary? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, one thing I think what uh, we really want to make sure to the industry is this is not a documentary about how amazing we are. Just plan to say that because, you know, that's basically what we've been doing for the past 10 years. We're talking circle about event industry is so important. You know, we're talking circle about how amazing we are, how, how much pressure we can handle and how many amazing moments we create for our client, uh, for our boss, uh, for our employee. This is not about us. This is about the moment we created for the people. For example, um, there's a few stories already collecting that is actually quite emotional for us when we heard about those stories. We have a businessman who decided to come out of closet because he attending a business event a couple years ago and the keynote speaker gave him the courage to do it. For example, and then there's a, a lot of the association actually have a lot of amazing story. For example, I know I've been working on with a client who is working on uh, hepatitis C virus. And so it has been an association conference for years. And the HCV used to be on curable disease uh, like about 30 years ago. So when you get HCV, you say goodbye to your loved one. But HCV right now is 90% curable. And there is a vaccine out place and there is a proper treatment in the market. Uh, it's all because of the conference, because the scientists who meet every year at that conference to discuss how to cure this disease, and it got cured. 
eventually. And that story, the same for, you know, Astertimer Association, that story for the Cancer Association to the Diabetes Association. Many of the DC that still out there still need to be fighting for. But, you know, that is why those association meetings are important because they providing opportunity for the scientists to meet to exchange their knowledge and hopefully eventually find a cure to solve the problem that human beings have. So those kind of like just a few examples that I have in mind. And I'm not sure if you heard anything else that you feel is worth to share to the audience. No, I think you captured it that we constantly say event process isn't about you. It's about the humans that we've created moments for and following that human story. Because I think that's how you captivate the public, right? They don't want to see the back end and behind the scenes of how events are planned. They want to know about Joe who came out of the closet after his attendance at this event or or you know mary who was cured by this disease like those are the people we want to follow and we talk a lot about kind of what gordon ramsay did for the culinary industry is what we're talking about a relatable public but not someone that's yelling at you all the time but a relatable (laughs) figure that puts a face on the industry right so that my mom can watch it and be interested in these stories rather than the only people interested in the details of the event planning are event planners, right? And that's not what this is about. So I think the examples you gave are great. And I think, I mean, you know, hopefully by sharing those stories, we are not touch the general public, like Anne's mom and, you know, my dad, who finally know what exactly we are doing. But, you know, at the same time, also for us as an event planner in this industry, when we watching those documentary and those story, we feel proud, right? I think that is also another underlying goal that we have is to really make us proud and to build a confidence of what we do is important. But instead of we talk to each other all the time that we are important, we're telling a story to other people, but you might actually get a better result for yourself to build that confidence. Because we all know even profession around the world, actually, it's not just in Canada, not just in US, Asia, or in Australia. We are always kind of a hidden profession. And I think for people who work in this industry, you're kind of lacking of that confidence of saying, I'm working, I'm an event planner, rather than I'm a doctor, I'm an engineering. And I think um, hopefully this type of, this is a good start to us to really see our importance and give that confidence for us to contribute to the society back to the world. So that's why this is an important documentary and we need money to help us to make it happen. (laughs) Well, it's a very, very worthy cause. And I think, Anne, you mentioned that during the pandemic, you led the Global Meetings Industry Day That sounds inspirational in itself, just organizing a rallying point when the whole industry was feeling quite lost and not knowing what to do, where to turn, what do I make of my business, should I continue, is it worth it to continue? There were so many questions in the minds of a lot of event professionals as this crisis just kept changing shape almost on a daily basis, you know, and it was confusing to so many people and confusion is really hard for business. So maybe that story is going to go in there as well. I would love to see that. But I love the idea of how it sounds like you're focusing on the key turning points in people's lives and that connection to events. It sounds also like there's going to be a lot of on-location interviews or how is that all going to work in terms of the logistics? How are you going to capture the emotion of the story, which sounds like the key bit in what this documentary will highlight? Yeah, we're learning a ton, like Sean said, about what goes into this and sit at home and you enjoy a 
25 minute Netflix episode and you don't really think about all that goes into it. But we've been able through the support of lots of great folks on the team and their network, do what we do best, like Sean said, is bring experts in and have people help us. And all of that is kind of dependent on how much money we raise, really. If the funding doesn't hit certain targets, we just have to lower our expectations in terms of what we can create. But the ideal dream is building a documentary that you would see on like a Netflix or an Amazon Prime or Apple TV or whatever it is that is pretty high quality, high quality video production, high quality interviews that require teams of professionals. So a director who helps us curate the stories and helps us put that storyline together, someone who's helping with research to find these stories, find these people to interview. So it's not a small, you know, we don't want to just like film this on our iPhone, which we would if push comes to shove and we can't figure it out. But that's a lot of what the funding is going towards. I mean, just to be totally transparent, the first quote that we got was like, you need $2 million. Wow. And we were like, okay, well, we don't have that. We don't have anything. So scaling it back and talking to different people and learning what the different variations are. But it's a big undertaking. And to do it to the level that we want to do it so that it represents the industry in a good light is where this funding starts, right? And like Sean said, starting with the podcast starting small and doing it step by step kind of and the hopes is that long term we get corporate support and sponsorships and funding from that aspect but the beauty of GMID goes virtual and the global events collective is it's by event pros for event pros we're not an association we don't have any corporate funding so this grassroots sort of thousand and one campaign just seemed like a good way to kick it off that all you have to do is donate $10 and that's your part of this project and hopefully it sets off a bit of a snowball effect to help us get there. Which isn't much of an ask at all. Yeah, but of course, if you want to donate $20 or $50, you're still so welcome. <laughs> that would help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And where are you at now towards your $10,000 goal? <laughs> well, Sean gave me a month to do this. Yeah, no, I mean, originally we thought, okay, it should be easy for a month to do 10000 I think we're currently sitting at about um, 2500 it's not bad, 25%. Okay. And we still have a week to go. And how, how long has the um, campaign been running? The campaign is uh, till end of June, but the donation portal is open for long term. <laughs> you might want to extend that campaign deadline and get more of the word out. And I'm sure everyone in Australia and New Zealand, when they hear this podcast, there's no time zone difference. It's okay. We'll, we'll keep it open. <laughs> Well, do keep it open, but, you know, I hope that more people learn about it because I've only just learned about this a couple of days ago. So you do have more people you can reach. It's a fabulous idea, but you did say you're working with a whole team of people. You're all, you know, doing this as volunteers. How big is the team? So when we did GMID Goes Virtual, that team was about 50 people. And then as we sort of evolved into this global events collective, I think we have about 20 people on the team. And that spans kind of all over the world, people who just have been involved in different things and some names that you would recognize for sure. But the beauty of it is like everyone just comes and does whatever is asked of them, right? There's no, people don't have expectations in terms of roles or we don't have a fancy board or anything like that. It's very grassroots and very community driven, which the double-edged sword of that is that things don't get done as quickly as if, you know, we had a big full-time staff. But everything gets done because of the passion and the purpose and how much people believe in what we're doing. 
which is what kind of drives us to do this stuff. And I'm glad that you said you just heard about this. And if you can't donate, the other thing that you can do is help us spread the word. So things like this or any opportunity we have to talk about it or share the message, we're happy to come and do that as well, because that's just about as valuable as, as a $10 donation. So I completely agree. I guess hinted at, at the different challenges that you're facing as you try to achieve this project. What would you say is the one biggest challenge? Is it the funding or do you think you can work around that? What would you say is the big, the one big mountain that you have to climb to get this done? I'd be interested in hearing Sean answer this first. <laughs> I think funding is the key for this one that, that really will, will define how far we can go, right? Yeah, the funding for sure is a big piece. And I think what we've learned over the last few months is it's kind of like the chicken or the egg, right? Like, do we have the stories and then we build the documentary, but we kind of have to build a concept so that people know what kind of stories we're looking for. And it's just very foreign to most of us. So we're appreciative of the help that lots of film industry veterans have come and, and given us some tips and pointers. And But it's just a lot of learning, a lot of learning. We don't have tons of resources to lean on. So there's been moments where one or all or a few of us have wanted to throw in the towel. And the nice thing is that we keep each other accountable and we all seem to sort of ebb and flow at different times so that we don't all want to give up at the same time that there's always someone <laughs> kind of pulling us through, which is Sean right now. So it's very interesting. And I think it's the beauty of doing something basically with your friends, right? So it doesn't feel like a, an obligation and another job, but you come back to it because you sort of love the people that you're doing it with and you believe in what the project is. Yeah, and I think Sean is a self-described learnaholic, so you're very much in a position where it's a huge learning curve. But I, you know, I've also heard of movies that have been created by using smartphones, using iPhones. It just needs to be in the hands of the right people to get a really yeah. good outcome. So that's another part of the learning as well. Who do you trust with this project for such a limited budget? But I completely believe that it's accomplishable. And I do hope that more people hear about it and get behind it. Can I ask you guys, you know, the industry has been through a lot in the pandemic. Where do you think it is now? And how do you see its future? It's a big question. <laughs> it is a big question. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Uh, well, I I recently moved into from planner side into event technology. So moving to the supplier side of the business where we're constantly asking ourselves about what does the future of this industry look like? Is everyone just going to go back to real life? Is virtual dead, hybrid? And, you know, we believe that pandemic has really forced us to recognize the power of virtual events and the power of delivering things digitally that right now we think the marketplace is on about to grow sort of 10 times right like a completely digital industry now combined with the fact that in-person events will return i think there's lots of opportunities and i think there's lots of reasons to be optimistic about working in this industry and lots of things to learn but the fundamentals of designing experiences and creating those moments that matter and the passion that event professionals bring to what they do remains the same. I think there's just a lot more opportunities and it looks a little bit different, but there's lots of growth here. So I think hang on if you can. And if you manage to survive through the last year, there's lots of positive things to look forward to. And, and I think for me, as someone who's still on the planning side, we definitely still don't see the horizon is 
positive yet, uh, at least for, I think for me, because I do international association meeting, that's the, probably the last to recover. But I'm a firm believer that after every disaster will be a renaissance area. It's not just about bounce back, but it's simply that whole rebuild process after disaster will be huge. And it's a good thing to be fair for the industry. And I think pandemic, like what Anne said, it is a big shock, but it did show a lot of potential for the virtual space that the industry had been honestly purposely ignored for years, that we know they are there and we know there's a technology can do something like that, but we just choose not to invest. So I think the organization or the planner that's going to win in the post-pandemic work is those who didn't forget what we learned this past two years and we continue to nourish those skills. We build them back into what our next event is going to look like. It's not going to be that divided as what it used to be. It's going to be more connected, more inclusive, and that will make the project or the event that we create better. The experience is going to be better uh, and the impact we're going to create, the moment we're going to curate is going to be better. I think everyone can get behind that idea. Thank you both, Anne and Sean. It sounds like a wonderful project, this documentary. How can people support it? I mean, what is the website they need to go to where they can put a little something to see this project take off? It's really simple. Just simply Google Global Events Collective. The domain name is globaleventscollective.org. Uh, and uh, you will be able to... Are you to looking f- that up? Yes, I am, actually. Um, <laughs> you need me to spell it out? G-L-O-B-A-L-E-V-E-N-T-S. <laughs> oh, my God. Globaleventscollective.org. Adeline is how they can get there. <laughs> you guys are hilarious. And I'll definitely put the link in the show notes as well. Just another place where people can just go and click. Well, you search us on Twitter, search us on LinkedIn, search us on Facebook. And we are on Instagram too. The only social media we are not on is TikTok. It's too too young for me. So. <laughs> or look up the hashtag 1001 event profs anywhere. <laughs> Thank you so much, both of you, for doing this project and for telling us a bit about it. I think it's a really worthy documentary, and I do hope to see it in Netflix or on Amazon or somewhere on the plane sometime. Hopefully in the future, we'll all be back on one of those as well. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the conversation, it would mean a lot if you'd spare a moment to subscribe, rate and review the show. And let me know if you have any questions so I can look for the right guests to address them next time. Join me again next week and we'll uncover more stories and strategies for a successful future.